This isn't just a review. We're going beyond that. I'm Kyler. And I'm Dallin. And we're here to talk about the moments, magic, and memories that we love in film. There's a lot to hate, but if you look a little deeper, there's so much more to love. We hope we can pass that on to you. Welcome back. It's nice to have you. Mm-hmm. We're uh, we're back again for our second round of our Mandalorian special. Talking about, uh, <laughs> I was I was trying to do a Mando thing and it didn't work out. For a second, I was a little confused. To yeah. be totally honest, I, I was like, "What? What are you doing?" Yeah, it it, it, it sounded good in my head. It didn't come out. I think good. it needed to be lower. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. See, that was better. Anyway, we're here again. We're going to talk about episode uh, three, I almost said two, three and four. Mm-hmm. So we did one and two, now we're doing three and four. Yep. Yep, yep. And it's a good show. But yeah. And uh, also, uh, if you hear any noise in the background, yes, it's because uh, we're at my fiance's place and there's construction going on right outside of the window. If it gets too bad, we might have to do some cuts. Yeah. Uh, just because they have like a saw. <laughs> <laughs> right outside, the, like five feet away from the window. Yeah. Um, but I think currently they're like in the apartment above us doing work. So we, we shouldn't be able to hear it too bad. Yeah. Oh, hopefully crossing our fingers, I guess. We're going to do our best. But just in case you hear some ambient noise, that's that's what yeah. it is. But they've been here for a while and they're not going anytime soon. So yep. we just kind of have to record. <laughs> it's not ideal, but it's something. It's life. <laughs> anyway... We already uh, did our, our bit of our spiel of like all the actors and everything. Well, I, you know, I still want to go through you know each of the episodes because there's different actors. That's and, true. Y- yeah, and, we introduce some new characters. Yeah, so uh, um, I'm just gonna go through each episode sure. like I normally do. Like, yeah, Pedro is gonna be in all of them, but you know, so yeah, we're doing chapter three. The sin came out November twenty second, two thousand nineteen. It's uh, thirty seven minutes long. Don't know why I said that. We don't normally say that. <laughs> um, it stars Pedro Pascal, Werner Herzog, Omid Abtahi, Carl Weathers, and Emily Swallow. It's directed by Deborah Chow. That is true. The the directors change mm-hmm. most of the episodes, so yep. that is something we'll probably mention every time. Yep, and this one is the battered Mandalorian returns to his client for his reward. They're yeah. very short to the point. Very brief descriptions <laughs> of the episodes. And then uh, chapter four is the Sanctuary, or just Sanctuary. And it came out in November 29th, 2019. And uh, it stars Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, Julia Jones, and Isla Ferris. I think that's how you say it, the I-S-L-A. I think sometimes it might... I want to say it can be pronounced like Isla, but yeah. that sounds kind of weird I, I, saying it out loud. I know that there's another actress, Isla Fisher, who pronounces it yeah, like that. Yeah, I so. think normally it's Isla, but I yeah. think it can be pronounced the other way, which... Sounds yeah. sound. It kind of sounds weird in yeah. my head, but like, I don't know. Um, and this one was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, Ron yeah. Howard's son, who directed Solo. So it's in the family to direct Star Wars. But yeah, these these two episodes are really good. I think. I I think it's where, um, especially episode three, is where things start to pick up a little bit, mm-hmm. um, because 
in the first episode, obviously, we're just getting an introduction to Mando. Yeah. And then he also gets Grogu in the first episode. Very end. Yeah. That's, that's the finale or the, the final yeah. scene. Uh, then the second episode... The Jawas causing havoc. Right, yeah. I, like, I'm I'm kind of spacing on... I mean, we just watched these a little bit ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll side quest with the Jawas and the Mudhorn. Yeah. Escape the, the planet. Which, I don't remember what, if they said what planet that was. Um, Arvala 7. Yeah. It's they not, they don't, not Tatooine. Yeah, not Tatooine. I don't they think they, they say it in later, the show, but, but I know it because I'm a nerd. Well, no, that's fine. <laughs> I, I figured that would be yeah. about what happened. Yeah. Um, Just like the planet that he goes to in the third episode, where Carl Weathers is, is Navarro. So yeah, but the, he also has been there before a yeah. couple times. That's where he started. It's kind of a lava planet, like yeah, it has a lot of lava in it. But it's not quite most Mustaf- planets do. It's not quite Mustafar, but it's <laughs> uh, seems like kind of a just a hot hot place. Yeah, a bit uh. Un, uh, uh, unhospitable. Yeah. Inhospitable. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, episode three, I think is, is part, is, I think that's where, when I was originally watching the show a couple years ago when it came out, I think that was where I really started to get like invested. Oh yeah. Because when we first got introduced to Baby Yoda, Grogu, I was like, oh, that's not what I expected. <laughs> and then he had the, the episode two where Grogu ended up helping him out with the force, which Actually, for some reason, I remember it taking longer to get to that point. But it's right. like, oh, no, that's the second episode, and it's like another 30-minute episode. Mm-hmm. So it's, if, if by all, like, it has a purpose, that's a pretty brief time period, especially if you're watching the whole show. Like, it's just sort of the next episode. Yeah. Um, maybe it was just because when you're re-watching something, it feels shorter than it was the first time. Oh, yeah. No, but, definitely. Um, but, yeah, this one, I think... It's almost where Mando gets invested, too. Like He starts being like, what I'm doing is wrong, giving, giving this kid to mm-hmm. just without, like, well, and he even asks, he's like, uh, what are you going to do with it? And the client's like, that's very uncharacteristic of, of you. And Especially they, someone of, like, your your stature is, like, yeah. the only word I can think of, but mm-hmm. it's not quite right. But like Reputation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone with, with his, like, background, his reputation everything is yeah. like, what, why do you care? Like, you shouldn't care. <laughs> well, and then we talked about it when we were watching it, but that, like, kind of threat that the client gave him, where he was yeah. like, there's not many Mandalorians left, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, he's giving him the, the Beskar, and he's like, in this day and age, it's almost easier to get Beskar than it is to find Mandalorians. Yeah, and it's kind of like sort of a veiled threat of like you should be careful because there's not very many Mandalorians left. Don't so. want to uh, make you guys go extinct. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and it, it's just really cool to see Mando's. I think his thought process goes a lot back to like what happened to him as a child, mm-hmm. where he was kind of left for dead, and then like we see a little bit of it in in this, but where you know. It was the Clone Wars, and so the super battle droids were just mowing people down, which is kind of kind of interesting to see the super battle droids, which can in the prequels they can be kind of goofy at times. Yeah. Uh, seeing them as these scary like terror machines. Well, if you think about it, they are pretty scary. Yeah, because they're like what eight feet tall or something like mm-hmm. that, and they're just like because the normal battle droids are very flimsy looking. Uh-huh. They're very gangly. Yeah, like they Roger, Roger, <laughs> and the, yeah, exactly. They have like the <laughs> The dopey voices, so they they kind of 
in some ways kind of be like sort of a comic relief, I guess. In, Especially in, a in the bit. Clone Wars show. <laughs> yeah, they, they're sort of like pointless obstacles, like fodder for the Jedi yeah. to go through. But then the super battle droids are like way, way bigger and they're like chunky, fat boys. <laughs> Have the guns on their wrists. They're really cool. Yeah, they are cool. <laughs> it's also really interesting in uh, in this they have like the glowing red eyes which I think was because uh, like in the prequels and stuff they don't have those glowing red eyes well they they always have like a a light on their mm-hmm. chest yeah for sure yeah they, I think they were their design was changed just a little bit yeah for this I also want to say like their because they have those big kind of like bulbous heads that goes into their shoulder t- mm-hmm. type of thing I think those are maybe a little bit more circular than they were in the because uh, if you look how they look in uh, like the Clone Wars and stuff, they're very circular on the top there, and I think they made it look a little bit more like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still really cool to see. You see the super battle droids, and then also like the Separatist ship fly above, and just see. I actually didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't catch that. The, uh, the I forget what it's called. Is it the big donut ones? Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, not the big. So it's it's like small little droid ships that. Uh, oh. Yeah. Is it like the the chicken or not the spider? Ship? No, no, no. It was one that just flew uh, overhead. Oh. Uh, it's not like the ones in Episode One. No, yeah. Those things are cool though. Mm-hmm. Like I, I always forget that those things they're they're like wing bits can actually like unfold into their landing gear oh, the and they can walk droids? around. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was another. Cool. It's, it was another one. It's like it's got like a circular top and uh, yeah, I think it's like a. I don't know if it's a transport ship, but like. It, 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 I think it mainly is in Clone Wars, mm. and so it's just it's cool to see like because if you think about it, the Clone Wars was probably pretty traumatic for a lot of people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so seeing it in this light is pretty interesting, and especially yeah. seeing how it affected Mando and how like it made his decision like part of his decision was because he was like I kind of see. In this situation, the situation I was in. Yeah, like I myself was a foundling. Yeah. I didn't have a family. I was a helpless child. Yeah. This is a helpless child with no family. And I left like, him there to to be... This it, is me, yeah. like, in some ways. Mm-hmm. No, and I think that's what he sees a lot. Like, uh, we'll definitely get uh, to it later in the season and if we do season two and stuff. But, like, I definitely think Mando sees himself a lot in Grogu because... I don't think Mando had a, a place up, up until the Mandalorians took him mm-hmm. in. And it's kind of same with Grogu. Because we learned more things about Grogu that he was like at the temple and things uh, in Order 66. And we don't know who saved him or whatever. but or how he ended up out here. Yeah, but like he doesn't seem to have a place until he meets Mando. It's also really cool. You mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about the little knob. The... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I took a couple of notes, just a few, because I mean these episodes are pretty short. Yeah, we're also covering two in each of one each of our recordings. Mm-hmm. But uh, the first thing, like one of the first things that happens, is they're flying on their ship on on the Razor Crest, mm-hmm. and that's uh, a dope name too. That's a good name <laughs> for a ship. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but Grogu climbs out of his little crib thing, and then goes over to the front and unscrews just the the little ball end of one of the levers. I don't even know what it's for. Yeah. Some sort of, like, thruster or something. I don't know. It's Hyperspace thing. You know, the hyperspace is always a lever that you push up. He unscrews it and and steals it, and then 
uh, Mando doesn't notice at first. Yeah. He goes to push on it, and he's like, wait a minute. And then he looks down, and he's like, that's not a toy. And he <laughs> yeah. takes it back. Uh, and at first I was like, all right, I remember, that's funny. And I, I just wrote it down because I was like, that's a goofy little detail, and mm-hmm. Grogu's cute. Like, that was the main point behind it. And I totally forgot that later, after he delivers the package, yeah. basically, um, and then they pay him, and he goes back to his ship to leave, uh, he looks down, and the little ball is not there. Yeah. And it, he it's like kind of one of the things that it's like sort of the last straw that convinces him to go back well yeah because throughout the whole time he you know he asks the client what they're gonna do he asked grief cargo what they're gonna do and uh you know grief was like oh don't worry about it i'll send you to the twilight uh healing pits and (laughs) didn't even ask what they were gonna do yeah and you know everyone was telling him to not worry about it and i guess he was trying to convince himself that too he goes back to his ship he starts turning everything on and then he has that like moment where he goes to reach for the lever and then he he freezes yeah and and then you, you like, I, we talked a little bit about it in the first uh, episode we did, but you can read all this emotion from him, yeah. even without seeing his face. Like, and it's crazy. Like, when he freezes, you can tell that it's clicking in his head that he's like, oh, I just did something wrong. Yeah. I got to go fix it. And then that, and that is when he finally makes the decision. He's like, okay, I got to go back. I got to get the kid. Like, yeah. I got to, I can't leave him like, to whatever fate they have in store for him. Yeah. Because you know, who knows? They're they're the Imperials. Like, that's that's bad. <laughs> yep, yeah. Even though the, they're kind of remnants at yeah. this point, you know, you still don't know what they're... Not quite the First Order yet. Not quite, yeah. It's, the seeds <laughs> are being planted. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, it's really cool to see him change as a character in that way. Like I said, we talked a little bit about it last episode, but he is becoming something more than just the badass bounty hunter. Yeah. He's becoming a papa. He's becoming a father. <laughs> yeah. I There's like so many things I love about this show, but I think one of the main things is just like Mando as a character. Yeah. And just... Like you said, I mean, I I, th- I go to talk about it a little bit more in regards to episode four because mm-hmm. I think that's where you really get a lot more of it. But yeah. with how well he emotes with a helmet on, like yeah. you're looking at a reflective metal helmet <laughs> the whole time, yeah, and yet somehow you get just like in sometimes like more emotion than people without any anything covering their face can do, and it's it's like fascinating to watch, yeah. And I think it's just a testament to uh, Pedro Pascal. Yeah. Pedro Pascal. Uh, but also... Um, Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder. I rem- yes, I, found I, his, I looked him up. I reminded you to, yeah. to look up the third guy. They're, they're the two that wore the suit a lot and did like stunts and things like mm-hmm. that too. But uh, And then Pedro Pascal, obviously, when they take off the helmet and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And but Pe- I'm sure- Pedro's in the suit at, at times too. It's just... Yeah. Especially with the first... I think he was in the suit a lot more the second season. Mm-hmm. But the first season, uh, the, I think they may have been filming before they even cast Pedro. And, Interesting. Uh, uh, I, I don't know if I'm correct on that, but uh, b- but it, I think they were filming before they even recorded some of Pedro's stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they just had these stunt guys do it. And uh, yeah, and also it's just like with a, with a, a character that's completely covered like that, it is pretty easy to just be like, all right, the stunt guy is going to do this scene because we have to do some stunt. Yeah. And, like, you know, 
that's their job. <laughs> well, and it, it, it's pretty cool too because you know a lot of the times the stunt guys get kind of backside. You know, like they, you know, people don't think about. Yeah. Um, ignore. Ignore. Yeah. Like, passed over. Yeah. And uh, even like the creators, you know, sometimes would be like, "Oh, that's totally Pedro in the suit. That's always Pedro in the suit." But they're really cool about. They're very open about. Oh no, this was Brendan and Latif as well, mm-hmm. because uh, recently Star Wars Celebration happened, and they had a big old Mando panel, yeah. and they brought out uh, Pedro, Latif, and Brendan, and they were like, "It's the Mandalorian." These and they, three are yeah, the, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. They they together create the character you see on screen. Yep, and I like. That's one thing we try to do whenever we can is like highlight the other people that you don't see directly yeah. or like besides the director mm-hmm. you don't like their name isn't just like front and center like uh there is some one of the movies we talked about recently where like there's a a cinematographer that you really want oh, to highlight mm-hmm. i think it was with dune wasn't it yeah it's because we didn't talk about it with dune and uh we've been thinking about we might cover the batman soon and he's the same cinematographer yeah for the batman. and we were very impressed both times yeah. with the cinematography it was very good mm-hmm. a lot of the shots were very unique and very like striking yeah and so you were like i really want to put a spotlight on him because yeah. that was his job that was it, his thing and a lot of people probably don't even know he exists yeah because you know rightfully so a lot of people put uh the spotlight on the directors because the director is the head honcho the one who makes most mm-hmm. of the decisions even when it comes to like cinematography and things the cinematographers will do their thing and be like oh director is this cool you know, and how does this look? Yeah, and they still sign off on it. Or, yeah, or the director asks for something, and then the cinematographer says, "Okay, I'll do that," or we could maybe do this instead, mm-hmm. where it's like similar to what you wanted, but maybe a little bit better. The director is pretty much the the thing that, like, you know, you have all these working pieces. The director's the the thing that keeps those together. You yeah. know, the, but Make like sure everything's cohesive mm-hmm. to the best of their ability. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> but like. Really, uh, you know, like I said, that is one thing that I want to do more is uh, is honor these people who put a lot of work into mm-hmm. it. Because, like, you know, like Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder, like, they're without them, that those mannerisms and things that we like about Mando, the things, you know, the emotions that we get from them, probably wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Well, and and like the main reason why I wanted to bring that up specifically here is because like when he's in the suit, you have no idea which of those three people he is like who's at who's being mando right now we don't really know Mm -hmm. and so i just kind of have to attribute this being able to emote without a face without any of those things that we as humans recognize as emotions like being able to do that like all three of these people have to be recognized for that because it's so good oh yeah well and also it's really good because at no point like i know that there are three different people portraying mando but at no point do i feel like it's three different people. Yeah. Like they all have like the same, same mannerisms and you know, the, the work that they probably have to do to be, make sure that they're like, okay, we're doing similar things. We're doing similar head movements or whatever, you know, to make sure it's the same character. That's mm-hmm. just, I, I applaud these three guys. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah. And like, I think one other thing I'd like to, we can maybe do it in our next episode, mm-hmm. do, do a bit of more research, but like, I'd like to look into who made like baby Yoda. Who's puppeting that yeah. that thing? Because it is a physical prop. We talked about that already. Mm-hmm. But like, there's a few scenes where it's like, oh, he's moving around a lot. Like he's walking around on the ground. Is that CG or is that a puppet? Like I don't know. Well, and, and I so, think that's I think that's such a great thing to be like, oh, is that CG or isn't it? 
if if we don't know, I think that's kind of their their goal. Is they're like mm. that's kind of what we want, you know, to you have did a good job <laughs> <laughs> to have you question it to be like, wait, I can't tell if that's real or if it isn't. <laughs> yeah, and um, um, but yeah, it's just the behind the scenes people deserve a lot more credit, and uh, we want to highlight those more. And like you said, the next episode we should look up who because uh, I know it was um, I think part of. ILM helped with it, but mm-hmm. I think there was a different section that created Baby Yoda. But, but anyway, let's let's get a little bit back into the the actual episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like there's a lot about the whole production of the show that we want to talk about, but we yeah. also want to, you know, get into a little bit more of the meat of each episode. <laughs> and and so like I took a few more notes for episode three specifically. Yeah, and the I think the first one I want to talk about is um, when he goes down to the like sort of the Mandalorian. I, there's what do they call it? It's like a I last episode I said coven and I don't know like I want to say that they may say that at one point that uh, sounds right because like yeah. the first word that popped in my head was guild and I'm like that's not right because yeah. there's the, the the bounty the bounty hunters guild yeah and they're not a guild of Mandalorians they're just like because yeah I think they they might say coven at one point but uh, coven's what's coming to mind because you know you think of like vampire covens and things and they're always or like it, witches yeah or witch covens they're hiding they're like, hiding being and secretive. they're being secret and that's kind of what they're exactly. doing, yeah. yeah. No one knows about all the Mandalorians. They know about some of them, maybe. But... Yeah. Well, and I'm sure uh, if we cover season two, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more. But you find out this this sect, a sect, you know, a sect is a pretty good mm-hmm. word, too. But this sect of Mandalorians is kind of um, radical. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because you see, like, Bo-Katan and others who take off their helmets and they're like, oh, you're those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I think uh, whether they say it or not, I think a coven is uh, accurate. That could work. Yeah. yeah, I think it fits. <laughs> yeah. Regardless, like he goes down there, and in the first episode, you saw some of them, and the main one was the the armor lady, mm-hmm. who in some ways is kind of like the leader. I think she is. Yeah. I, I, it's never like directly said from my recollection, but mm-hmm. she basically is the leader. Like they all. Like when they're fighting, <laughs> they they have a bit of a squabble because one of the other, uh, uh, you know his name, Paz Vizla. He's played by John Favreau. I don't think John Favreau's in the suit. It'd be cool if he was, but but his voice at least is John Favreau. Yeah. yeah, he's the bigger one with like the big old minigun, basically. Yeah, uh, he he basically accuses Mando of like quote unquote sleeping with the enemy. Mm. Like he, he's <laughs> he's associating with the Imperials and yeah. And he, he points out that the uh, best guard that he brings back is all has the Imperial mark on it. And mm-hmm. he's like, they stole it from us. That's why we're here. That's why we're hiding in the sewers. Yeah. And you're out there. Doing work for yeah, them. Yeah, you're, you're doing jobs for them. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? And then she kind of breaks it up and is like, yeah. Well, I don't she, remember exactly what she said. Well, she but. kind of, uh, she, she tells him to stop and they both have like the knives to each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And she, she asks Mando. I want to call him Din because that's his name. Mm-hmm. We don't learn that till later. But um, he, she's like, "Have you ever taken your helmet off?" And no. Have you ever been uh, forcefully have it taken off for you? And he's like, "No." And she goes, "Well, th- this is the way." And they are all like, "This is the way." And she that was kind of her way of you. You said like, "Shut the f up," you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he, this he, is sort of her just diffusing the whole situation, yeah. being like, "This is how we do things." Like, yeah, she was she was pretty much like he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, he's just trying. He's earning money, and he's reclaiming this Beskar back. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and then they end up helping later. Mm-hmm. But for that that brief moment, you get to see uh, 
all the different Mandalorians. And actually, one thing I noticed that is kind of what made me think about this is the... Uh, it's fascinating that the helmets of the, the sort of quote-unquote main Mandalorians are unique. I mean, yeah. with with uh, Mando or Din himself, uh, it's still like the same like Jango and Boba Fett style. Like this, the it's, a little standard... more, it's a little more angular. Yeah. yeah. But the I think the main standout feature of that one is it is the like pure Beskar, the like super mm-hmm. reflective. It, it, it doesn't shiny. have the uh, targeting uh, thing, you know. The yeah, uh, it kind of looks like an antenna normally, but yeah. it technically pops down. It's like a little viewfinder uh-huh. thing. Yeah, but um, his is the shiny Beskar, and then the the big guy has like a I don't, I don't even know how to describe it, but like his helmet just looks different. It's very distinct. It's, it's kind of square. It's a bit more chunky and yeah. like blocky. And then also the armor, hers is almost like sort of that Roman or Spartan style where it has like the little nose piece and it's like got more of the eye shapes Mm -hmm. and it has like little spikes on top. Yeah. I think we even talked about that a little bit Mm -hmm. in the first recording we did. Yeah. Um, But I just thought it was fascinating because it kind of does a shot where it pans over or like goes through a bunch of the other Mandalorians that are just sort of standing in the hallway. Yeah. And all of them have unique helmets still, but they're all pretty much what you would expect. Yeah. Like, they're, they're sort of the standard shape and, like, what's the visor and everything. Fit, you know, yeah, like, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I just thought, I was like, that's kind of a, an interesting, unique way, kind of harkening back to our... Uh, actually, never mind. I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's just, like, a little way of um, differentiating these these three main... Uh, well, well, one thing I thought about is, uh, I don't know if you were going to this point, but kind of like in uh, our dinosaur episode, when we were talking about how... The background dinosaurs all kind of look the same except different colors and uh, the main yeah I dinosaur- think that was yeah. I think that was part of it yeah yeah and the main dinosaurs you know they have the they have it, more like distinct features mm-hmm. and colors and yep. stuff like that so it's just like a, a simple way of being like these are important characters and mm-hmm. these other ones in the background they'll look similar because you don't really need to you don't need to catch your eye they're yeah. just there mm-hmm. I did notice some of the background ones some of their like. The, the visors were thicker and the others were thinner and but mm. like like you said most of them they look basically Boba Fett esque yeah pretty standard Mandalorian yeah. stuff mm-hmm. also I, I just kind of want to talk about like the the forging oh, is so cool yeah. uh, and we saw a very small amount of it in the first episode because he got enough for his his pauldron his shoulder yeah his shoulder piece and then with that one she just kind of like does it show her like molding it or is it just sort of like melting down the metal and then i i know we see a couple of her hammer hits because the hammer hits are kind of like when he sees flashbacks and stuff and uh we saw a little flashback a little bit of flashbacks in the first episode Mm -hmm. but with this one we see a lot of them yeah with this one you see like the whole circular forge with like all the different jets of flame and they're they're all heating the the base i mean the thing that's holding the beskar then you see her dip it in the water too and you know the cool but i think the coolest part for me was there's a point where it there's a bit like a it's it's levitating like mm-hmm. it's sort of like a little tractor beam thing and it's holding up like sort of this rough like still I think semi molten Beskar in mm-hmm. sort of like this basic shape of his chest plate yeah and then it, it shows above it there's the, like half of a mold that is his chest plate and then I don't th- I don't know if it actually shows it like compress it down or anything like that yeah. but it's just really cool to see like oh it's sort of this rough hewn piece of metal and then it's about to get shaped into the final piece and then also at the end when she like dips it in the water to cool it off and everything you also see like it has stuff on the back now where there's like padding and and like the 
the kind of electronics in it, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. she had integrated all of that stuff. And yeah. I just thought it was a really cool way to sort of get this like classic like ancient forging stuff. Yeah. But at the same time it's also like futuristic. Well, one thing you mentioned uh, when we were watching it is that you said that Star Wars, especially like the older ones and Mando and stuff, has a really cool way of, you know, doing sci-fi where it's like almost a mixture of like Old West and sci-fi. Yeah. And uh, especially the the original trilogy, like yeah. 4, 5, and 6. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think more so some of the newer stuff. Like I think this is one of the things I talked about a bunch in when we did Solo. Yeah. Uh, is like... It really feels like they've kind of settled into an art style that's cohesive. Yeah. And and I, in, in, in Solo, I was talking a bunch about Mandalorian, and I was like, <laughs> this is what really sort of made me see that and understand. Yeah. Um, and, like, it just feels really solid. And, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's this weird mix where it's like their guns are all based off of real-life firearms for yeah. the most part. Not mm-hmm. all of them, but many yeah. of them are. Like, you were talking about Han Solo's gun... Yeah, and then, te- and then it, even Mando's gun too. Ma- yeah, Mando's pistol. I had it. Uh, I had it pulled up of what it, it was. Isn't so, it based off of like an old German? Pistol? Yeah, so it's uh, a Bergman eighteen ninety four, and it mm. looks almost identical, mm. except just with a little yeah. little bits and pieces. They add little greebles. Yep. on, on <laughs> things, uh, and I think they have a lot of fun when they design these weapons. Oh yeah, but it, I mean, back in the originals, that was because it's like oh. We can just get a prop of this and then just add a couple of things on there, and it looks like a laser gun. Well, it was like, probably pretty cheap at the time, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and they, so then they probably were like, "Oh, there's some World War II movies we can go get some props for," and like mm-hmm. you said, add the greebles on there and be like, "Okay, laser gun." <laughs> yeah. And then the prequel trilogy, one, two, and three. Yeah. Those ones had a very different art style. Yes. Which isn't worse necessarily. Like I don't think it's bad. No. It's just part yeah. of it. I think was intentionally to show how the world and the like the galaxy at that point in time was very different. Well, and it's it's really cool that you mentioned the like art style and stuff of the the prequels because um, in the prequels they brought on an uh, an artist uh, called uh, Doug Chang. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he kind of was brought on and George was like, "Hey, so I know the Star Wars has kind of a unique feel to it, but with the prequels I kind of want it to be like uh, newer and you know like kind of, you know, like it's still there's there's hints of what is to come, but like the empire's not here yet. The you know everything's yeah. shiny, everything's new and uh, beautiful. While in the originals, everything's beaten down and used, and mm-hmm. and so he and uh, Doug Chain was like, okay, and you know he designed the N one Starfighter and things like that. And then it's really cool because it ties into this show because Doug Chain is uh, Doug Chang is now uh, like the head art director, I think, on all of these shows and mm-hmm. like Mandalorian and everything, and so. He, I think, designed the Razor Crest and stuff, and it's cool to see that he went from doing that to this, and how you said that they now have this kind of cohesive. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say like when when the sequel trilogy started coming out. Yeah, what was it 2017? 2015. 2015. Jeez, even further back than yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, like when when Episode Seven came out, and then also these other like sort of spin-off shows yeah. like Rogue One and uh, Solo. Solo. Is that those are the only two, right? Only two uh, movies so far. Yeah. Uh, unless you count the Clone Wars movie. What Clone Wars movie? What? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, but yeah, with all those, it, it just like, those all kind of take place in this similar era. I mean, I guess Solo takes place a little bit further forward. It's, it's Solo takes place uh, a l- little bit after, like 10 years after Revenge of the Sith and Rogue yeah. One's like right before A New Hope. And, you yeah. know. 
But still, like it's all sort of this after the the or during either during or around the original trilogy uh, era. Yeah, and even and then the, afterward, and, and then even just, the sequels, they took a lot of inspiration from the original trilogy. You know, mm-hmm. like rightfully, yeah. rightfully so because you know at the time they were coming out. You know, there was a lot of hate to the prequels. Unnecess- yeah. Unnecessary hate, because as you and me, we both love that. Like, Revenge of the Sith is one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Attack of the Clones is one of yours. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and so... Yeah, uh, and uh, but And it's nice, because now they're having a lot more prequel love. And, you know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. we have Obi-Wan on, and Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor are both back. Yeah, that's... I, I've been watching a lot of interviews of that, and it's pretty magical yeah, to see, like, their is. interactions. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yeah. But anyway, yeah, like, seeing with, with what they kind of had to do when they were making Episode Seven, they're like, all right, we're going to bring Star Wars back, we're going to make it something new, like, we're going we're gonna to make it fresh, but, like, they had to kind of take these different diverging art styles, and, like, also, they had to take what existed from the original trilogy and be like, we got to make this modernized, we got to make it look good mm-hmm. nowadays, and, like, it's not that the... It looked bad yeah. back then. It's just compared to movies nowadays, like you can tell that they're really old. You can mm-hmm. tell that it's like miniatures or, or stop motion or other things like that. Like they had to do those things back in the day, and it was pretty revolutionary back in the yeah. day. But that was what like forty years ago. <laughs> uh, More. A New Hope was forty five years ago this yeah. year. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, it's like they they had to be like, okay, we got to bring this up to modern standards, and I just think that. The sequels may not have gotten everything right, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things they definitely got right was the art style. Mm-hmm. And then I think that really shows in things like The Mandalorian, oh, especially yeah. with how much of a smaller budget they had. Well, they, they had to, like, the, the physical props, and then they had to be pretty yeah. uh, picky with when they're using CGI and things like that because yeah. they don't have a huge studio to do, like, 50 different CGI shots. They, they mm-hmm. only have, you know... A couple for a few episodes here and there. Well, and it, it's cool too when you see them uh, do things that are akin to the original trilogy. Well, and even bring back like in the fourth episode here, uh, they brought back the ATST. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that was full CGI. I mean, I could be wrong, but like in the originals, it was all stop motion. Yeah, and it, you can even tell in this one, like it's de- it's definitely not stop motion, but they still add some of the same kind of movements because. That. Yeah, I, I sort of brought it up when I when we first saw it, like, because they go out to sort of provoke the, the bandits. Yeah. And then it stands up, and it's got the big old, like, red eyes, basically. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, is a great touch. Like, the oh, fact yeah. that the light inside of the cockpit is red, and it's just shining out through the little eye holes. Well, I love how they filmed it kind of like a monster. Yeah. You know, they filmed it like either a monster or a dinosaur. You know, like, it was this big, imposing creature, almost, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and I actually have distinct memories. Remem- <laughs> I distinctly remember, have distinct memories of, mix those two, <laughs> of when I first saw episode four. Yeah. And uh, you hear a little bit of it stomping around at the very beginning when they first get attacked. Uh, oh, yeah. Very briefly, like towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then when they're going out to sort of scout, when him and uh, Mando and Cara Dune are mm-hmm. together and they're like, all right, what are we up against? They see the footprint. Yeah. And... I think even then, I still wasn't quite sure what it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they got some sort of like walker or well, she mech says or she says ATST. So oh, maybe she did. Okay, mm-hmm. so the, then I would have known that. Then. Yeah, but like still, the reveal of it standing up with the big old yeah. red eyes, I was like, oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's because so scary. like <laughs> even when she says ATST, you're like, oh, the chicken walkers that the Ewoks took out. But like they end up making that 
thing uh, that the Ewoks took out with the big logs, they make this thing in this episode terrifying. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty scary. Yeah. And just that, that whole scene where they're trying to uh, take it down, you know, and she's in the water and he's running and, you know, like, it, it's pretty intense. Yeah. And, like, it puts into perspective, like, these things would be almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. With, like, what they had. The resources they had. Yeah. They had to make an elaborate trap. I mean, I guess it wasn't that elaborate, but they had to get it to fall down mm-hmm. so that they could get some sort of explosive device into the cockpit. Yep. And, like, the other thing is like, the Razor Crest is just a transport ship. It's not a combat-ready vehicle at all. I mean, I think yeah. it has some guns, but... Well, and you see throughout this series when he's, like, flying the Razor Crest and he... You know, he has to, like, fly away from... He has to do things where he's like, okay, I have to figure out how I'm going to get away from these people because I'm in a big old freighter. Yeah, that it's isn't not designed ma- for combat. It's yeah. probably not very maneuverable or fat. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, he's he, in the second season, spoilers, he's being chased by two X-Wings, and he has to be like, okay, what am I going to do to get away from these guys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, like, maybe he could have fought it with Razor Crest, but mm-hmm. I, I think, like... In that scenario, it's probably like, well, well, my guns might do as much damage to it as it might do to me. In yeah. fact, it probably is more combat capable because it's designed for fighting. Like yeah. it's it's an it's a, an attack walker. Mm-hmm. It's the whole point. Yeah, not and quite so, an adapt, but it's it, it's still scary. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like, it has the big main cannons. It has like some guns on the sides too. So it probably has some form of anti air capabilities Mm -hmm. like i don't think i've ever seen any specifically but well but like if you look at just how it was destroyed like with one shot it was destroying those huts that Mm -hmm. you know just blowing them up you know so it could probably do some damage to the razor crest yeah yeah so i I think their their goal is like okay we got to be able to take it well that's another that's another thing too is the razor crest was parked like you know uh yeah like a day away yeah like a day away yeah they might not have had time to actually reach it yeah and I'm sure he could have thought about well, and that's another thing too. I'm thinking about he, you know, that they probably went through this where he's like, oh yeah, I could come fly it and bring it over, but that could alert them. Yeah, not only it. that, but I think the main reason why he wouldn't have thought to use it. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even know why I brought this up, but like we didn't discuss this before. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I think the main reason why he probably wouldn't have used it is because that's his only way off the planet. Yeah, that's true. Like he can't sacrifice the Razor Crest. Mm-hmm. In this battle, like, risk it getting damaged and then getting stranded here forever. Mm-hmm. Like, it was lucky that he was able to have Quill help him uh, in the episode two yeah. to, like, rebuild the Razor Crest. Mm-hmm. And, like... But he doesn't really have those resources. In exactly. The, yeah. He doesn't know anyone here that can help him fix it. So. Yeah, he's at a farming village, you know, in, like, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and I just remembered how many times the Razor Crest gets, like, beat up. Oh, yeah. In this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, it's just really cool to see... Well, and uh, Cara Dune is an interesting character because she's this, like... You know, at this moment, the Rebel Alliance is now the New Republic. You know, they Mm -hmm. are the government now. And she kind of explains a little bit. She's like, yeah, I wanted to fight, and we fought. And then we were doing, you know, just like, oh, trading disputes and things, and that wasn't for me. You know, she's a fighter. Yeah, She's like, yeah, I'm glad that the Rebellion is... Now the the government and everything we've won, but like she's like I wanted to fight and you know the yeah. politics and other things was didn't not for, acclimate to the yeah. new lifestyle of just hanging out yeah. very well. Yeah, um, it's also really interesting too because I think this is the first time uh, that we see like 
tattoos in Star Wars. If I'm, if I'm, because she has the hmm. arm tattoo and then the yeah. one on her cheek. I don't know. Yeah, I can't think of any other instances. unless you consider like Darth Maul, but that. Well, those, those technically are tattoos, aren't they? Yeah, but uh, Zabrak kind of all have like some, some tattoos. Of yeah, some sort. yeah. So, but um, I think just on a regular person, just regular yeah. everyday tattoos. And I mean, it would make sense, you know, in the military, even our military, you know, you get tattooed because you're in an army ranger. You know, it, yeah. it's not like a, like, oh, I want it because I think it's cool. It's because you are an army ranger. And I think, I may be wrong, but I think I may have heard somewhere that sometimes it's for identification. You know, like, oh, that's an army ranger. That's Possibly it's partially. Yeah. I, I think that, it would still always be like... Like dog tags and stuff. Well, yeah, they have the dog tags. I think getting tattoos... It's more of like a cultural thing. Yeah. I don't think it's a requirement, mm-hmm. but I don't know. That's that's an interesting point, an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, yeah, like I said, I don't know if it's any truth to it at all. But like, it's I could have sworn I heard something about that. But like, I even knew like um, uh, some people in the church when I grew up who were military who got the tattoos because they were like, mm. oh, it's just what we did, you know? It was like, yeah, yeah. It, like, like I said, it's not anything that was like. Uh, fashion choice or something that I wanted, but it was—it's just we're all army, we're all the we're, yeah, we're all the rebellion, you know. Exactly, like it's a culture yeah. thing. It's yeah. like we're we're in a group, we're all buddies. Like we all, like yeah. we get up together to help us all, like mm-hmm. be closer. I guess. I don't, I well, don't and I don't know if uh, Mando says it in this episode to her, but in later episodes with her, they say that she, they uh, like grief when he meets her. He's like, oh, you're a rebel dropper, and he can tell because of that arm tattoo she has. Mm-hmm. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's also a, a form of identification. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, I really like her. I, mm-hmm. I like Cara Dune. She's a good character. Well, we were talking about that <laughs> first fight that they had, and she's, like, punching his helmet. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, geez, that would hurt really bad. And, and then, then she... like... Immediately after, I was like, "Man, punches against full Beskar armor wouldn't be that effective." And then she just like flips him over or something and like slams him into a wall. And I was just like, "Oh, never mind. Oh my gosh!" Like, <laughs> well, that one where she gets him to the ground and he kind of on his neck kind of flips up in the air because of her punch. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that that must have been fun to to do the stunt work for. Oh, yeah. Because like I mean, at least in Mando's case, he's wearing full body armor yeah. so they can like pad the heck of out of him he can have it everywhere mm-hmm. i i've seen a lot of uh mainly female uh stunt workers who who talk about how like i'm wearing a t-shirt right yeah and i have to like roll out of a moving car <laughs> <laughs> so it's like my arms are completely like open to the elements yeah. and i am gonna get hurt <laughs> well gina carano the actress um she has like a history and you know like you know action movies and then like uh mm-hmm. I, I think she also has done some like boxing or some uh, some sport or something but she she has like history and like that kind of stuff you know like i i mean this might be entirely wrong but like i wouldn't be surprised if she was like a some sort of like wrestler mma like, yeah, in that like, sort yeah. of realm yeah of some sort like she's she's pretty large mm-hmm. <laughs> she's pretty muscular so yeah. like she i wouldn't want to cross her <laughs> yeah. i mean she like i mean Mando's fully armored, but she still has a lot on her person. Mm -hmm. So, like, her arms are pretty bare, but besides that, like, she could still have a lot of padding and, like, Mm -hmm. her her chest armor and stuff. So, when they take those hits and jump on the ground and, like, hit themselves, they (laughs) they can... They're not, like, 
breaking themselves too bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just really cool to see him kind of find an equal. Mm-hmm. And uh, to just kind of... Ah, what's the word? Uh, the... Like, he finds a lot of... On this planet, he finds a lot of communion. You know, like, a lot of people he yeah. gets, like... he. Almost wants to stay here, you know, it seems, you know. Yeah. Even Kara's like, you could pack away that armor, stay with your son here, raise him, and uh, be and with that... Uh, this other cool lady who's, yeah. who's here. Yeah, it's... I mean, that, I think that's kind of what I wanted to sort of, I guess, finish up with, was just yeah. talking about how, like, the... It's, like, it's really short, because, like, all these episodes are really short. Mm-hmm. But just the amount of, like, sort of world building that... They they managed to get into a thirty to like forty minute episode. Yeah, is is kind of crazy mm-hmm. because like this this little village has a bunch of different people in it, and I mean only a handful of them talk. But like you get to see how the main lady. I don't know if they ever even say her name, but I think they might. But uh, I I forget what her name is. Yeah. Regardless, like you get to see how she sort of has a history. She knows how to shoot a gun. I don't think yeah. they even discuss how or why. Yeah, Mando but, just kind of has that side eye where he's, he's like, like oh. "Okay, all right, that works. <laughs> we'll do." <laughs> but then there's like the other two guys who may who go get him originally. They they're the ones who like go out to find him. Yeah, and then they get some some interaction. You just get to see like it's just a few shots here and there, but they're just like the they're really really picky and intentional with like mm-hmm. what they show and why they show it. Yeah. And so every single thing that happens in the village like happens for a reason and you get a couple of shots of like in uh i mean not mando specifically but more like grogu interacting with the kids yeah and them all like playing and having a fun time and mm-hmm. eating frogs <laughs> well and he gets he, he's like you know what i'm gonna leave grogu here and then you get you know he's like grogu's happy grogu like grogu may be sad that he leaves yeah but grogu will be safe and then you get that harsh realization that yeah, Grogu will always be hunted until Mando figures this out. You know. Yeah, they're they're gonna be able to find him. Yeah. There's a bounty hunter that ends up showing up, and then mm-hmm. Kara is actually the one who takes him out. Yeah. But it's just like it's that like I said that harsh realization where Mando was like, "Damn it, I was this close. I was this close yeah. to keep getting him safe." And know? it wasn't that he he wanted to like abandon the kid. Yeah, he just wants he wants him to be able to live a life. Yeah. And, and well, he didn't think, you know, and I think, you know, throughout the series, Mando kind of finds himself and like finds that him being with Grogu is kind of a good thing. But mm-hmm. like even here, he's kind of like, oh, man, I'm this bounty hunter. I'm this tough, you know, I'm this guy in a, you know, I'm in a bad place. I don't want this kid in the same bad place yeah. that I'm he, at. He doesn't want know? to drag him into the lifestyle that he is. Yeah. He's in. Like he's a he's a bounty hunter. He mm-hmm. kills people. He mm-hmm. he he has people who probably want to kill him you know yeah, like, he, he has a very violent life yeah. and grogu is a kid like he's a, a essentially at this point like a toddler 50 year old toddler yeah. yeah species age differently <laughs> <laughs> thanks ig11 <laughs> but yeah he he's just like i don't want to force him to have this lifestyle because it's not one that a child should have mm-hmm. and so when he found an opportunity to potentially not get rid of him but give him a life where he would be, be able to be happy and have friends and play and, like, have people take care of him. Mm-hmm. Even if it was a modest lifestyle, living in this village with blue shrimp. Like, yeah. that was something that he wanted to give Grogu. But then, yeah, like you said, he well, unfortunately it, doesn't get that chance. And it was really, like, that final shot of the fourth episode where they're riding off on the speeder. And 
you see that last shot of Grogu, and mm-hmm. he kind of has that look on his face, the just the sad, you know, where yeah. he 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 doesn't know where he, you know. Like, I think you know, like I said, Grogu would have been sad if Din left. Yeah, but. I think he would have been fine on this play. And he liked, you know, like the girl hugs him as like, I'm really going to miss you. And yeah. Well, I mean, it also, it's kind of a, a brief moment. Like mm-hmm. it's a, almost a blink and you miss it. But like, uh, Cara Dune mentions that they've been here for a few weeks. Yeah. Like they've probably been on this planet for a month or two. Yeah. Like hanging out. Mm-hmm. And so they've sort of gotten like a, a bit of a, a thing going like they they probably have a well that's that's probably why he stayed so long is to be like oh cool uh i'm gonna stay make sure everything's okay make sure this is a place that he want to stay make sure this is good for him and then of course right when he's like yes this this will work there's yeah. there's that harsh reality and like setting in not only that but like when he when when the main lady in the village is having a moment with uh with mando and she almost goes to take his helmet off at the mm-hmm. end i like i felt bad that he ended up being like, no, I have to go. Like, well, and just the way that he had his hands on hers and where he almost like, like we said again, we can't see his face, but he's almost has that regret where he's like, I wish I could take it. And he also waits. Like yeah. he, he lets her almost start pulling his helmet off yeah. before he stops her. Cause he yeah. wants to stay. Like he wants to be able to have a kind of a life like this mm-hmm. with a, a woman who would make him happy. And like, but he feels like he can't. Yeah. He, it's, it, it made me sad. Yeah. Like when I first watch it and again, today when we just mm-hmm. watched it now like i was just like man that it feels bad that mm-hmm. he he doesn't get to have that at least not yet like yeah maybe someday but not now mm-hmm. so yeah i think i mean i got everything i want to talk about yeah yeah this is uh another another good episode uh, a little shorter but uh, i think sometimes yeah. these will be a little shorter but I mean, honestly it ended up being longer than i expected it to be <laughs> i i figured these episodes would be shorter because mm-hmm. it's only about an hour worth of content that we're talking about. Yeah. But this show is great. Oh, so yeah. if we've, if we proved anything with this podcast, we can sit here and talk about anything for <laughs> right hours. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks for joining in with us with these, this kind of experiment. Uh, yeah. we, we really enjoy talking about Mando. We hope we can get to season two, book of Boba Fett and other things down the, down the line. Maybe Obi-Wan, maybe mm-hmm. Obi-Wan. Uh, I'm loving it, by the way, so far. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah. So, we'll see you next time on this uh, Mando series. Yeah, thank you for listening. You can Mm -hmm. find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Mm -hmm. I think that's it for now. We're working on some things, but... Yeah. Yeah. Try to diversify. (laughs) Yeah, we we really appreciate you guys listening. You know, share it if you can, even if it's just one person. And always remember to... Watch what you love and to love what you watch. <laughs>